Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. So we've been talking, uh, Greg's been doing a series called Anchored, um, talking about anchoring ourselves behind the veil in the presence of God so that we're not blown about by the storms of life. And let's face it, there's been a few storms in the past year. Life has been challenging, life has been difficult. Um, and I've really enjoyed this, this idea that we have somewhere sure and steadfast to anchor ourselves. So I want to carry on with that theme today because our ultimate goal as Christians is to get to heaven one day. On a very basic level, our ultimate goal is to get to heaven and to take as many people with us as possible. That's the Great Commission. That's what Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded, and lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age. So on a very basic level, our Christian life is all about getting to eternity and taking people with us. The very last words that Jesus said before he ascended to heaven, before he left his disciples, the very last thing that he said to them was, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Basically, he was saying, I'm going somewhere now. One day you're going to come with me, but your job now is to tell everybody else about that place so that they can all be with me because it's God's will that no one perishes, that no one perishes. So the whole point of Christianity is that there is a hope beyond this world, that there is a hope beyond what we can see and what we hear and what we know now. A couple of weeks ago, I was listening, I was watching a YouTube video. It was um, a Christian's response to atheist viewpoints. Um, and it was um, an interview of Ricky Gervais. And for those of you who don't know, Ricky Gervais is um, a British comedian who is um, a very avid atheist. Um, and very vehement in the way that he vocalizes his atheism and his criticism of Christianity or faith or religions, but particularly Christianity is very vocal against Christianity. And one of the questions that he was asked was, if you don't believe there is anything after this life, then what do you think it will feel like? What will death feel like? And his answer was, It'll just feel like all the billions of years before you were born. So he was basically saying, you knew nothing before you were born, and when you die, it'll just be the same. You'll know nothing. And apart from the theology behind that, my heart was so saddened because I thought, what an incredibly sad view of life. Because if that's true, what is this all for? What is this all about? What does this life really mean if there's nothing to come? And just looking around us and seeing 
God's hand and everything. I, I, I struggle to understand how people do not see God in this world. So Rebecca and I, um, we enjoy going for walks. So she works from home, I work from home, sometimes at lunchtime, take a screen, screen break and we go for a walk. And we always find something to be amazed about. And we were talking the other day about the dandelion, the simple dandelion, and the mechanism by which it spreads itself around. How clever and effective it is. Anyone who has a lawn knows how effective the dandelion is. And when we, I found something out some while ago that, that blew my mind. You may already know this. So we all, as living creatures, we have skeletons, we have bones. Did you know that birds' bones are hollow to make them lighter to fly? Is that not really intelligent? <laughs> For me, the design behind everything that we see around us is so specific. Do you know, we've got a little baby with us this morning. I, I found out not too long ago as well, I didn't even know this when I was um, feeding my babies, that if a ba when a baby's being fed by his mum, if the baby starts to get sick, the mum's body reacts with antibodies and gives the baby the correct antibodies. How incredible is that? How can we not see God in all of this amazingness around us? And if we do see God, how can we not see the hope that is to come? The incredible things that he has planned for us after this life. But I think often people who are not in the church and people who don't know Jesus view Christianity or view church as another club, a thing that we do, a meeting that we go to, like you would have book club on a Thursday night. And I was having a conversation with a friend, this was a few years ago, um, and James and I were getting ready to go away on holiday, and I was just talking to her about my busy week, having to get everything ready for Sunday so that church can run smoothly and making sure everybody knows what they're doing and this and this. And she said to me, well, if you're going to go away for a week, why don't you just cancel church for a week? Surely that would be okay. <laughs> and I looked at and I realized that she sees it like book club. And if the person who is organizing book club can't make it, oh, we'll just cancel it for this week and we'll carry on next week. And they don't realize that being a Christian is about who we are. It's not about what we do, that our very identity is rooted in Jesus and our coming together in church. And what a privilege. Do you know, I know we have restrictions at the moment. I know there's only a few of us that can meet together and we have to wear masks and do this and don't do that. But there are some Christians in the world who cannot meet at all. James and I have been part of, of meetings in, in China where they meet um, clandestinely in hotel rooms. And actually when they worship, they're not allowed any noise to come out of their mouths because they don't want anybody in the corridors to hear them. We have a privilege, such a privilege that we can still gather and we can worship and we can be together and we can share the word of God. The difference between book club and church is that Christianity has eternal implications. It's not just here, about the here and now. This life is just a stepping stone for what is to come and an opportunity for us to show people what is to come and to share about that life is to come. 
So I'm going to read um, the scripture that Greg has been pointing to us, us to these last few weeks. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become the high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So it's talking about putting our anchor into the eternal presence of God, the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. And when James was here a couple of weeks ago um, speaking, um, I really enjoyed what he said about how he, he thinks that God must have hated that curtain. So we're talking about this curtain that was really heavy, really thick, separating the Holy of Holies so that only one person once a year could enter in. But the very first thing that God did when Jesus died on the cross was rip the curtain. The very first thing he did. Because God wanted to be with his people. He, was, he communed with his people in the Garden of Eden. And all those hundreds of years, God must have just been waiting and waiting to be with us again. And he rips that curtain in two so that you and I have complete and full access to the Father, the very presence of God. So if our goal is an eternal hope, then we should be anchoring ourselves and investing ourselves in eternal things. Not in the here and now, not in the temporary that's going to fade away. This life is not all there is. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17 says this, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here, in reverent fear, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And then in First Peter chapter 2, it says, Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So I want to look at this idea of living our life here as foreigners and exiles, um, as temporary residents, another version puts it. The Greek word that is used in those passages is the word paroechia, and it is the word sojourn, which is a temporary stay, a passing through. And Peter is telling us that our life here on earth is a temporary stay, a passing through. This is not our home. Heaven is our home. Eternity is our home. We are temporary residents. This world, this culture, our society is not where we should be putting our roots because it's not our home. We should be investing in everything that is to come. And I want to show you something really 
interesting about this. In Acts chapter 7, uh, we read the story of when Stephen is stoned. And before that, he is addressing the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders of the day, and he basically gives them a whistle-stop tour of the history of Israel from when God first spoke to Abraham and called him right through to when Solomon builds the temple. And in that passage, he talks about how God told Abraham that his descendants would dwell in a foreign land in oppression and slavery. And we know that's Egypt. And the Greek word used there is the same one, uh, paroechia. So he was, now the people at the beginning of that 400 years didn't think it was temporary. It felt like a very long time. But looking back, we can see that the Israelites were in Egypt as foreigners and exiles and aliens. And they were there for a short time. That makes sense. But here's where it gets interesting. In Hebrews chapter 11, where it's talking about the heroes of the faith, it says this in verse 8. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. So once Abraham reached the land of God's promise, the destination, the place of his inheritance, the Bible says that he was still paroechia. He was still a temporary resident because in verse 10, he was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations a city designed and built by God. Even Abraham knew this is not our home. Heaven is our home. But how do we do this? And Greg spoke a couple of weeks about putting our anchor in the word of God. Because that is where we find out what he wants for us. Now, if you're like me, you use the word of God for encouragement. I'm having a really bad day, Lord. Speak to me from your word. Or I'm having a really difficult time with this issue, Lord. Please give me some encouragement. I need your encouragement. But honestly, how many of us go to the Bible to really find out how we should live? To really find out what he says about the things that we are doing in our life. Because as James says, you wouldn't go to a mirror and see a big smudge on your face from the chocolate you've just eaten and walk away and leave it. No, you'd go and wash your face. And do we use the Bible to show us the things in our lives that need to not be there? Or do we just use it as encouragement? So James and I, week after next, We'll be celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary. He keeps reminding me it's a life sentence. <laughs> but in those 25 years, by spending time with him, I've come to know him and the things that he likes and the things that he dislikes. If I cook a meal, I will never use coriander. Because <laughs> I know James does not like coriander. If I make a pasta meal, 
I will always cook James rice because I know that he has a difficulty with wheat. And on special occasions, maybe like our anniversary, I'll cook him steak because I know he loves steak. I have come to know him over the past 25 years by spending time with him. And we come to know God by spending time with him in his word. There is so much for us to know, so much for us to learn. We will never know it all. We'll never remember it all. But if we truly want to live how God wants us to live and anchor ourselves in eternity, we need to be searching the scriptures on a constant basis. So I'm going to look at some scriptures that teach us how we should be living. We've looked at um, those scriptures in, in 1 Peter 1 and 2 where it talks about the way of life that our society has given us is empty. There's actually nothing in it for us. Um, it tells us to abstain from sinful desires which war against our soul. The temporary pleasures of today and the choices that we make today can put our eternal security in jeopardy. It has implications for what is to come. Are we perfect? No. Do we make mistakes? Yes. Is there forgiveness? Yes, there is. But that shouldn't be the excuse for not living how God wants us to live. So let's look at some scriptures. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. And that's not talking about creation. That's talking about society and the things that people are doing today. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And friends, if you remember, if you haven't listened to um, Greg's sermon on the boule and Thelema will of God, please go back and find it and listen to it. It is so helpful. The boule will of God, that, that will of God that will happen no matter what, God has put it in place and it will happen. But the Thelema will of God, is that what God desires for you? That which is good for you, but the outcome of that is relative to the choices that you make today. That if you want to be in that good, pleasing, and perfect will of God, you need to be making good choices according to the word of God. I want to read that scripture in the message version. I find it really helpful. It says, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Do we just fit into the society and the culture around us without even thinking because it's become, things have become so acceptable that we just slip into that way of life? This says, no, don't do that. Fix your eyes on God. 
James 1.27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. John 15, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. There are things that we believe as Christians that the world disagrees with. And people are vocal about how much they hate our belief system. But friends, we are not of the world. We are in it. And we need to love people, and we need to be kind to people, and we need to show the love of God to people. But we do not need to live the same way. John 17. This is, this is Jesus praying for his disciples. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Everything that happens in this life without eternal links is insignificant in the whole scheme of things. Money, possessions, fame. This world has become so engrossed with fame and money. Both of our sons at one stage have said, yes, their career was going to be YouTuber. <laughs> if you were to ask most 10, 11, 12-year-olds today that either want to be a YouTuber or a footballer, because it brings them fame and it brings them money. This whole genre of television program, reality shows, where all these people becoming famous just because you're seeing them on TV. And they're all really bad examples for our kids. That is what the world says is important. That is not what God says is important. There are some questions that we can ask ourselves to find out where our anchor is. Um, what societal norms have we adopted which oppose the teachings of the Bible? What has become acceptable to us from society that shouldn't be? Do we actually know what the Bible says about these things? About how we conduct relationships, about business dealings? about the language that comes out of our mouths, about the things that we allow ourselves to see and hear. Have we taken the time to read the Word of God? I've been part of a few small group meetings where questions come up and discussions happen and a lot of opinion is given. Well, I think this and I believe that and I think this. But we often don't take the time to go and look it up in the Bible. Because God has given, every, given us everything we need, all the information we need to live our lives, we can glean from the Bible. Do we use it to show us how to live? Because God's principles are not old-fashioned. They're good for us. They're good for you. They're good for me. For us to live in God's will. For us to receive his blessing, everything that he has for us. Friends, we have a hope 
beyond this world. We are temporary residents here on earth. This is not our home. And we need to invest in the eternal, in the spiritual, and anchor ourselves in eternity. Let's pray. Jesus, I want to thank you so much for your word that you left us with, that you didn't leave us alone without any instruction for life, but God, that you gave us everything that we need. Your word says you've given us everything we need for life and for godliness. Your word says that it is living and powerful, that it is sharper than any two-edged sword, and that we can use it to fight spiritual battles. I thank you, Lord, that we can be anchored in the hope that is to come through your word. And I pray, Lord, that this week you would um, help us to seize those opportunities to read your word, to find out what it says about the way we're living our lives, the issues that we're facing, the things that we're dealing with, and that we would anchor ourselves in your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.